0: We are joined now, sitting here, by our good friend Steve Simmons of Sun Media. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing all right, guys. Nice to be here it's, on, on a, a real strange-looking opening of training camp. Yeah. Yeah. Why, do
1: you, why do you say that? Well, once a, I'm going to do my once upon a time here. But once upon a time, you sort of came to camp, you saw guys doing their medicals, you'd walk around, you'd talk to players, you'd see people. Everything now is so organized. It's so, you know, set up for mass media and. You know, the day of having the casual conversation to just sit and schmooze with somebody, you know, is no more. And I think, you know, for, you know, for an older fellow like myself who likes to to have those kind of conversations, that is lost on a day like this.
0: If I may, the magic word to describe what's happening at the Mastercard Center and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Handlers. There's a lot of handlers. There's yeah. guys who are being ushered around, and I haven't seen the same person twice. Every time a leaf has come to our table, somebody new has brought them here. Yeah. It's almost like Disney is running this thing. I demand... We don't have handlers. I mean, we've got a producer, but I, I want handlers. And, 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 and Matt, he doesn't even listen to the show. No. I mean He's no, a he's... producer only in the sense that... He has the title. He's like Mindbuster or something on his, phone, <laughs> uh, on his phone right now. By the
2: way, Steve, how, how does it feel? It's the start of the leaf season, and you're not the most controversial writer. Usually it is you, but today uh, it's Dave Feshchuk from The Star, and you've got your second part of your article uh, with your interview with Randy Carlyle, which we'll get to in a second. But today you're not the most controversial.
1: Must be a, a nice break. See, you use the word controversy, and I like to use the word honest. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when you write honestly or you report honestly people will take that as being controversial yep and and so you know you get those kind of things you know today Dave Festchuk is a real interesting piece in the Toronto Star a piece that that uh, I have a few quibbles with uh-huh. but contextually but aside from that you know you know good for him for you know having that today and just as I'm proud of the fact that I you know I got to yeah. sit down with Randy Carlisle for 90 minutes which is extraordinarily rare and got to pick his brain on almost every subject possible over that time.
0: And the article from FestChuck in the Star, specifically if you haven't read it yet, is Steve Spott at a coaching clinic over the summer had made some comments about how he had breakout plans, brought them to Phil Kessel, Kessel shot them down, and then it kind of went a little bit further to suggest that Spott was saying he's... Uh, thought of as being tough to coach, and kind of chuckled that, you know, they'll be 15 pounds overweight going into camp. And really it was, if nothing else, Steve, I kind of felt like this is an introduction for Steve Spott to the Maple Leafs world where, honestly, you are never not part of the Leafs. 24-7, every day of your life, the second you are part of this organization, everyone is listening and someone is recording. As a guy who's coached minor hockey for a long time, I went to an awful lot of coaching
1: clinics. I went to Steve Spott's coaching clinics. What you get in those circumstances is a guy telling stories. Right. You, you want to hear, tell us the real stuff that goes on. And so you want to hear that story. And sometimes the guy's telling, let's, let's be honest, they, they exaggerate. It's like, it's like talking about your first goal. You know, you always, it's always an end-to-end rush. You know, it didn't go off your rear end and into the net. Uh, but I think what happens in these places, you got a bunch of eager guys who want to hear something and want to learn something, want to find out about your life. And so you give them something. You don't ever expect that when you give them something that it's going to end up biting you on the rear because it's going to end up in someone's column as as, as a controversial story. And and just to back up from that, I happened to, to be on the golf course with Steve Spott when the Maple Leafs had their media day at King's Riding. And our conversation that day, we talked a little bit about, you know, what he'd been doing in, over the course of the summer. And this is where the story in the star today and the context of what may really have happened might not necessarily be exactly as is.
2: The voice you hear is Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. I was, yeah. I was about to do a radio reset. I was reading your face, but I think you had, there was something else you were going to say. Before I go to my next pre-prepared plan question, please continue. Sorry to interrupt. You. So
1: he, Steve is running the Leafs power play this year. That's one of his responsibilities. Peter Horchuk will run the penalty kill. And so he sat down with Phil for a film session to go over their power play what what he wants to put in and where he sees phil fitting in and 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 they so they had a session and in that session they had some disagreements as most players and coaches would have it's like a creative experience right you're talking to a guy this is what i want you to do well i think i should do this instead and they went back and forth and phil's a guy who has a definitive way of playing, And he believes this is how you play, and this is how I'm supposed to do things. And Steve's ideas was, yeah, I can make you better if you do X, Y, and Z, and, and go from there. And I think that's what happened in this situation, was that a coach and a, and a player met for the first time, sat down. It wasn't the team's breakout that he was having a problem with. It was the power play breakout, which is a completely different thing, by the way.
0: And in fairness to phil kessel with whatever conversation had are we going to be so naive as to think that a guy who scores a point a game in his career and has had the success that phil kessel has had do we really believe he is the only nhl star they would ever have pushed back to suggestions here's how you might do things differently do you ever talk to brett hall about coaches every day and like he calls me <laughs> up and
2: i'm like brett i am trying to sleep and then he just goes on and on no i have not because you,
1: brett hall played a game that was unexplainable he found open places He scored goals from places nobody thought he could score goals from. He wasn't a great skater or a great hustler or a guy who came back defensively. But he could do something that no one else could do. And it was completely an innate skill. And he drove his coaches nuts, frankly, because of that. Talk to Ken Hitchcock or people who had him. But you have to work with that guy. And your team's going to grow because of that guy. And so, you know, that's what... We're talking about the best player on the Leafs, the most talented player on the Leafs, and a guy who's coming in to coach
0: and he's trying to... Show,
1: this is where we can make you better.
0: And I, I don't have that much problem with what went on. Matty and I are sitting with Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun. Now, your piece, as you alluded to, it was part two of a sit-down interview with, uh, you had with Randy Carlisle, and it's noteworthy because he really doesn't do this stuff very often. He, he's, I wouldn't say he hides from the scrums, but he certainly doesn't share much with people. You asked him maybe the only question that matters, and I would love to get your take on his response. It's simple. How good are the Leafs? He acknowledged offensively really good defensively? Eh. Defense is a coach's terrain. People say, coaches say, hey, when you got the puck, be free, but as soon as they do, you're mine. Uh, his answer to how good are the leaves, what was your take on it?
1: Well, I think, you know, if, if I could interpret his words, is I don't know. He, he talked about how much offense or potential offense they have. He talked about how much speed they had. He said, those are assets that, you know, make it really hard to play against us in circum- circumstances. He talked about um, about goaltending being a strength, and and but team defensive play and neutral zone play are his two biggest concerns. Those are the areas that have to widely, you know, alter from last season. And he thinks that the flexibility of the lineup will give him more options than you know than he's had in the past. And he talked about last season when all the centers went down, and he said we went for a time with with maybe one NHL center and 3 felons, And he said, we, st- we hung in there somehow doing that for that period of time. And it's when everybody came back, it seemed like you exhaled and the whole team collapsed. And he said, we were getting by. And he said, what I found interesting is he talked about the collapse. He said, we saw the collapse way before it happened. The coaches did. We kept hammering on the players. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. Ever talk to a player after they won a game and say, oh, by the way, that's not the way to play. Well, we just won, Coach. But that's not, how you, that's not a recipe for success. But, Coach, we just won. And so what they have to do is take that template of what they want to do and convince them that this is their best way to succeed. The question I think everybody has is, is this the right roster to play the hockey that Randy Carlisle wants played? And can he get them to play that way?
2: And then again, the question is, if the roster, if it's not the right roster, how much does Randy have to change? And, you know, if the players aren't listening, then how much of that's on the players? How much of that is on the coach? Um, one interesting quote I loved, uh, it's, uh, we're joined by Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. You asked about Phil Kessel and Dion Phaneuf as the best players. Quote, and this is from Randy Carlisle, there's not a coach on the face of the earth who doesn't want good players, but you take the lineup, you're afforded, and that's what you go with. I read that sentence and I started laughing and I actually wrote in brackets, not a great start there, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think
1: because maybe sometimes contextually you have to I know, put of, the thing of course. in context. I wasn't sitting there I, next to
2: you, uh, but that was just a I think funny we line. had
1: talked, we had just talked about the Los Angeles Kings and he made some reference to the fact that, yeah, they've got a $5.5 million fourth line center. So, you know, not everybody can afford that luxury. And, and he was talking about just different teams and different lineups. You know, if you have Mike Babcock's lineup from Sochi, you know, you got a pretty good chance of success. And I think what he's saying is Phil Kessel's an awfully good player. He, I think he thinks way higher About Dion Phaneuf than a lot of people do, and that a lot of and that could hurt because too many
2: he he sort of did a pushback about how many minutes Dion Phaneuf should have, and saying well I got to play more minutes because maybe the guys uh, under him are inferior, but then you worry
1: 26 minute Phaneuf is not a great player. Well, that's the interesting. That's the coach discipline now, and that's what's going to really come into play because he says they have proof that Dion Phaneuf at 22 minutes is a very good NHL defenseman. At 26 minutes, he doesn't. He wears down, and so. How he plays the game is different when he's playing a lot more. And he says he plays all the hard minutes, but he says it's going to be incumbent upon us as a staff, meaning Peter Horachek, who's running the, the defense, or, you know, in his case, overruling the, the, the defensive turner, however that's going to work the dynamics on the bench. But he's going to, um, he wants enough playing that amount of minutes. Uh, seems likely to start anyhow with Roman Polak as
0: his partner. And uh, which I think is an odd combination yeah, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Why do you think that? Because it feels like it's undetermined at this point. Is this just your opinion? or No, I think uh, this is based on other conversations I've had. My understanding is that there are
1: things that they're going to go into camp, but this is what we want to happen. Whether it happens that way or something changes along the way, the pairings, as I understand them, to start anyhow, will be Fanoff and Polak, um, Gardner and Robida, Riley and Franzen. That's that's the sixth defenseman that they're looking at up front. They're going to if they stay with the the first line as is, but there's there's some there's been some thought of moving James Van Riemsdyk, but um, but there's they're going to stay to start I believe with Kessel Van Riemsdyk and Bozak as a line. They're going to look at Cadre with Lupel and Clarkson, Clarkson being the big asterisk question mark. The, and I think the third line will be Santorelli Booth and someone, who the someone is I don't know. And the two interchangeable guys in the lineup are Daniel Winnick and Leo Komaroff. Right. Because they're going to be one and two penalty killer. So they're going to kill. Going to be, they become Jay McClement and Nick Kuhlman, However, whoever the one and two penalty killers were last year. Um, they're your one and two penalty killers. But they can move in and play along some third line. They can play some second line. If Clarkson's having a bad night, Winnick can go up and play that spot. Komarov can go and hit somebody. Like, they're guys you're going to see moved around. I think they're going to be essentially fourth-line players who get more than fourth-line minutes.
0: I, uh, Steve Simmons of the Toronto Suns with Maddie and I. You've thrown a lot of things for us to discuss there. So let's take it segment by segment. Roman Polak and Dion Phaneuf, to my mind, I question whether or not Roman Polak, even though he'll probably bring something to this squad, but does he have the foot speed to be able to play on the, on the first pairing knowing exactly what the quality of competition is going to be? Well, I think they're not, it's not
1: so much foot speed. Uh, I'll go back to a guy named like Rick Green. Remember Rick Green played for the Montreal Canadiens and the Washington Capitals? That is a ways back, but yes. Rick Green was probably the slowest skater in the NHL, but he was never out of position. He was on his angle all
0: the time. Ah, oh, but Steve, in fairness, you watch those old, you know, on TSN, the classic games. I mean, they have a stubby in their hand and a cigarette in the other, and they're skating <laughs> down the ice just kicking the puck towards the net. Okay, but the I, game's pretty but
1: fast. It is fast, but a defenseman on his angles and in in the right place can still make a contribution and play. And I think what, 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 what somebody like um, Polak gives them, he may not give them the first pass that Carl Gunnarsson did. He gives them a sturdier guy in front of the net. He gives them a a more physical, a more uh, what's the word? a more competitive guy on the loose pucks, and I think he frees Dion up for offensively a little bit because you know if he, if he can commit to being the defensive he, rock, I'm, in I'm that not situation. certain based on what I've seen of mm-hmm. Roman Polak and what I've heard about Roman Polak that he can do that role. Mm-hmm. I'm not certain of it, but they want to give him that opportunity to start and see how it works out. Are they curious
0: or committed to it? <sighs>
1: I don't think you're ever committed at the first day of training camp as a coach to a pair or to a line. Do they want it to happen? Yes. They want it to happen. They want to see what it looks like. They're going to This is what this is why you play preseason games. This is why you do scrimmages. Okay. Now, one of the things that's always made no sense to me about NHL training camps is sometimes they don't even put the guys who are on the same lines on on the same teams in camp. So when they're scrimmaging, they're scrimmaging against each other rather than playing I would have my guys playing together from day 1. Let's see them clicking. Let's get them used to each other. We're going to see whether you see Polak and Feneff, for example, on on the same color team or playing in the same scrimmages or how mm-hmm. that all works out. Um, but I think that's the plan going in. And I think he talked about his goalies. You know, Bernier is the starter. He yeah. calls it 1A and 1B. Yeah. But Bernier... I Bernier's think, one, Ryan's two. Bernier's the starter. Yeah. And now it's going to question, the question's going to be, how much is he the starter? Is he a 50-game starter with, with Reimer at 30? Is he a 60-game with Reimer at 20? You know, that'll be determined based on, on a lot of different circumstances. You
0: know, Steve, the funny thing is the evolution in that conversation. I believe he referred to Bernier and Reimer this year as 1A and 1B. Yes. I think last year it was 1 and 1A. Yeah, like I don't know if that's an evolution of how they just, fit well, together. Just in 1 and
1: 2. Well, let's just but, say it. Well, right now, Reimer's he, said, two. he said uh, that... Based on the way Jonathan Bernier played for us, we have to respect that. And so he comes in with with the edge going in. He also said something interesting, and I I didn't have a chance to look it up to see if it was true. Because my memory wasn't certain about it. He said, I've never had, I've never run one goalie. He said, no matter where I've been, I've never run one goalie. And he said, I thought he ran Jaguar in Anaheim. But he said, if you look back, he usually played about 50 games a year. So, Brisgalov played some playoff games for them, won some, play- won two rounds for them, I think, at different times. Um, so, he did use two goalies more than we might think he used two goalies. But it, it sure struck me as as Jaguar was his guy. Um, now, I think, you know, he has good... He has good reason to, to hope Bernier is healthy enough to be able to play 55 or 60 games. Steve, you've
2: dropped so much knowledge, we didn't even have time for restaurant talk. We had no time at all. Uh, Bob Mackwitz was asking about a great place that serves fish, but also other alternatives. I was going to say The Chase, downtown, I believe on Temperance. Great restaurant, a little pricey, but a really good halibut.
1: I mentioned a restaurant. I think it was, was, it yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before we were talking. A
2: couple uh, the, the, the deli at uh, Royal York and Bloor.
1: Yeah, but we were talking about... about just, we were just hungry veal sandwiches for a minute. Oh, so, yeah. So here's what happened. This is, this is the way the world works now. Someone tweets out... The place that we're talking about tweets out afterwards, thanks to me yeah. and another radio station who we will not mention here for talking up our veal sandwiches today. Wait a minute. Right. Cause and
0: I didn't get uh, celebrated for our no of veal cause. sandwiches?
1: There was no TSN radio. Oh, and I wanted bull. to send it back. To, the guy didn't follow me so I couldn't, de- I couldn't direct message back to him. But I wanted to say, dude, Wrong radio station. Seriously, you know yeah. what? We, we
0: truly are the Benoit Pouliots of radio Body shows. Stinks. So good, yet so unappreciated. Where's we need my some a sandwich. I want the advanced metrics, the macro and cause metrics that say our relative veal Corsi Fenwick yeah. adjusted for sauces through the roof. I'm hungry. Steve, so many things came up. We didn't even talk Clarks in there. We didn't talk about how the we third and fourth no line maybe we, and we ran out of time. Are you back tomorrow? You're back tomorrow, right? Um,
1: I'm no, I'm on my way to Michigan tomorrow. No, no. My well, first time ever at the big, uh, house, you're at the for big a house football go, game. going to go see the Wolverines. I've been there. For a hockey game, yeah, and I've actually played hockey on the rink there. Hey,
0: Steve, it sounds great, but blow it off and hang out with us. Come on, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, uh, we'll make
1: sense. We'll make we'll my, my wife has been bugging me for years. She wants to go to a Michigan football game. We're going tomorrow. All right, oh, we're right. Going to game Saturday.
0: Apparently, Steve values his marriage more than his time with us, Matt, and I'm not sure that's the wrong call. All right.